following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning is a continuation of a sermon series entitled Old Words, New Life, Transformative Teachings from the Old Testament. Although Christians often prefer to focus on the New Testament, the Old Testament is where you need to look for some important teachings, and this is certainly the case about with the biblical teaching of God as creator. It is the beginning of the book of Genesis where you find the grand creation story. It's the book of Job where you find the most extensive section of the Bible that speaks of how amazing God's creation is. Four chapters go on and on, recounting the wonders of the world. And it is in the Psalms that you find some of the most uplifting verses that celebrate the world in which we live, some of which we heard this morning. Biblical scholars call these Psalms the creation Psalms. Right now is a perfect time to be reflecting about the beauty of creation because here in Northeast Ohio, it is a marvelous late summer weekend with sunshine and warmth and puffy clouds drifting across the sky. There are fall flowers blooming and a few trees are just beginning to turn. The air is filled with the sound of birds chirping during the day and insects buzzing at night. We can readily identify with Psalm 104 as it said, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you have made them all. We'll be exploring the theme of God's creation this morning. Let's be for a moment in the spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In Psalm 19, in the verses we heard a moment ago, the psalmist says that all of creation speaks. The heavens, he declares, by which he means the sun, moon, stars, and sky, are telling the glory of God. And the sky proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day, he says, there pours forth speech. He seems to be saying that the sky is talking to us. He goes on to observe that, of course, there is no speech, nor are there words coming from the inanimate elements of creation. But then in verse 4 he says, Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. The psalmist is asserting that the natural world tells us something. It tells us, he says, the glory of God, and it proclaims, as he puts it, God's handiwork. In other words, the elements of nature, in all of their marvelous and intricate form, are telling us there is a marvelous God behind all that we see. But often, people do not get the message, and that is for two major reasons. The first issue is that very often, people are just not paying attention. Within the hubbub of our contemporary world, with all the distractions bombarding our senses, it's easy for people to, to simply push through their daily agenda, their eyes fixed on their cell phones, their minds absorbed with what's coming next, what sort of challenges they're facing, so that they just race past changing leaves and fall flowers 
and all sorts of marvelous scenes in the natural world without really noticing anything. Stories told of two guys who are walking down a sidewalk in New York City when the one said to the other, hey, listen to that, a cricket. The other fellow, in the midst of the rush of traffic and the honking of horns, said, what are you talking about? There's no cricket here. No, listen, said the first. And sure enough, as they both paused and listened, there was the sound of a cricket chirping nearby. People were hurrying past them on the sidewalk, and the first guy said, now watch this. He took out a quarter, flung it, and it dinged on the pavement. Several people stopped and looked. Finally, one guy picked up the quarter, pocketed it, and everybody moved on. The guy who threw it said, that quarter was no louder than the cricket. It's just a matter of what you are listening for. Psalm 19 is urging us to attune our spirits to the wonders of the world around us so that we notice and appreciate the handiwork of God and are moved thereby to acknowledge the greatness of the Creator. But sometimes people look at the trees and the flowers and the birds in the sky and they still do not get the message that there is a Creator God behind it all because they are geared to look at the world through a materialistic lens. It's common today for people to think that we live in a purely mechanistic universe where everything that we see is merely the result of chance, random combinations of chemicals, the arbitrary operation of mechanical forces with no spiritual dimension. From a biblical perspective, it does make sense that we are able to explain the physical processes at work in the world around us since God gave us a mind to comprehend such things. But there is an element at the center of the Psalms which is never adequately addressed or explained by those who want to ascribe the earth purely to chance, and that is the element of wonder. In each of the creation Psalms that we heard this morning, the writer of the psalm looks at the many elements of the natural world, and the basic response of the psalmist is to say, wow, look at all these amazing animals and plants and the marvels of the universe. This is how people, in fact, everywhere respond when they witness the glory of a sunset or the beauty of falling snow or the grandeur of mountains or the mesmerizing sound of pounding surf at the seashore. Why is it that people react to the world in this way? Why is it that when we truly look at nature around us, we marvel and feel a sense of joy at its beauty? If we and the world around us were simply the result of cold mechanistic processes, why would we even have a concept of beauty? And why would we feel a sense of joy and awe when looking at the world that surrounds us. One of the activities that Mavis and I enjoy is snorkeling. We've never had a chance to do it often, and we are not very adventurous. We like to just float in shallow water in places where there are fish close at hand. But we find it amazing that you can wade into water, put on a snorkel mask, look down, 
And there is this incredible world underwater with spectacular fish and fascinating creatures like sea turtles and rays. We find that when we are snorkeling, we are almost never alone. The person in the picture you are seeing is somebody else. There are other people snorkeling in the same area. It's a popular activity. But why is this? Why would people want to float in the water for hours and look at fish? If we as human beings are purely the result of dog-eat-dog -dog processes of chance and survival, we should not want to look at fish. We should just want to eat them. The sense of wonder that people feel when observing the natural world only makes sense when we understand the universe as the psalmist did, that it is the handiwork of God which awakens joy within us precisely because we've been created by God to appreciate and enjoy the world that God has made. If we look at the world with truly open eyes and hearts, we will recognize it is a world of incredible artistry. If we look at a painting, we can understand, of course, how the painting was made. We can talk about the chemical composition of the paint and the process by which the paint was applied to the canvas. This, however, does not take away from the fact that there was an artist behind it all. Similarly, we can explain the composition of the world and the geological and evolutionary processes by which the world was shaped. But this does not take away from the master artist who is behind the glory of all that is around us. The artistry points us to the artist. And we then are moved to say with the psalmist in Psalm 8, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So it is that the world and all its wonders is a testimony to the reality of God, who is the source of it all. But more than that, it is also in many ways a comprehensive revelation of the character of God. Just as any work of art is a statement by the artist, so the realm of nature is an artistic statement from God, which can enable us to see something of who God is and what God is like. In the vast magnitude and multiplicity of creation, we see something of the greatness of God. In the intricate order and balance of nature, we see the wisdom of God. In the way in which even the tiniest creatures are provided for, we see the immensity of God's care and providence. In the way in which out of decay and destruction, new life can emerge, we see revealed how God can bring new life out of death. And in the incredible beauty of all nature, we see something of the beauty and the glory of God. The psalmist in Psalm 104 had this kind of perception whereby creation becomes a revelation of the manifold greatness of God. And if we view creation in this fashion, the whole created world can become a major way by which God will enlighten our minds and touch our hearts. This is not to say that through creation, human beings can know all that there is to know about God. The Bible testifies that beyond creation, God reveals God's character even more 
through God's action in history, through the story of the people of Israel, and ultimately through Jesus Christ. If we want to know God, we need to be looking above all to Jesus to comprehend the fullness of who God is and what God's purpose and destiny for us is. But the natural world is one very valuable revelation of God, especially because it's always around us. The created world is a constant reminder of God, an ever-present medium by which we can perceive the wondrous power of God's hand. If we let nature speak to us in the way that God intended, it can be a means by which we are continually moved to a joyous awareness of God. But this requires that we actually pay attention and view the world with an openness of spirit. H.G. Wells once wrote, there was a time when my little soul shone and was uplifted by the starry enigma of the sky. That has now disappeared. I go out and look at the stars in the same way I look at wallpaper. But what a tragedy this is if we lose the ability to see the world with wonder. The creation psalms that we heard are designed to stir that sense of wonder within us so that when we look at the stars, we will say, the heavens are telling the glory of God. St. Bonaventure once wrote extensively about this, how the glory of creation should lift us to the glory of God. As he said, the whole created world is a mirror through which we may pass over to God, the supreme craftsman. Still further, the creation psalms, as they observe the many amazing features of the world, Note the most amazing feature of all, that human beings are given such an extraordinary place in creation. As the psalmist says in Psalm 8, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, that you care for them, yet you have made them little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. There is something very special about humanity. We have a oneness with the natural world which God has made, which the Bible points out in the creation stories in Genesis, where human beings are made out of the dust of the earth and take shape along with the animals of earth. At the same time, we have a host of extraordinary spiritual qualities to which the Bible refers when it says that we are created in the image of God. We have the capacity to comprehend the world. We have the capacity to appreciate the world, to recognize its beauty. We have the capacity to discern what is good. We have the capacity to love, even to love those well beyond our own family or our own tribe. We have the capacity to join with God in being creators, to create new things, even like God to create art. Most of all, we have the spiritual capacity to enter into a relationship with God, to know God, to worship God. All these qualities put us in a very distinctive place 
at a very special level, which the psalmist describes as being a little lower than God. In the New Testament, the first letter of John describes our position by saying, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. When we consider who God has created us to be, we should especially be moved to wonder and praise. So we can join with Psalm 104 in exclaiming, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God. But then there is one further key aspect of who God has created us to be, which is expressed in Psalm 8 as it says, you have given human beings dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. In other words, God has put us in charge of this marvelous world that God has made. We are supposed to take care of it. We have not been doing an especially good job. Here's a summons to all of us to be good stewards of the planet. We've been responding to that call as a United Methodist Church. We have a number of environmental sustainability initiatives that are a part of our worldwide missions. We sponsor a creation care network and internet platform for environmental idea sharing. We recently launched a program called Earth Keepers, which trains United Methodists for developing environmental projects within their local communities. In various concrete ways, we are living out our responsibility for this amazing world in which we live. In the coming days, the forecast for Northeast Ohio is for continuing summery temperatures. Then, of course, we'll be getting into full fall conditions with the trees exploding in color. Already, the black and gray squirrels in our yard are feasting on the acorns falling from the trees. It is a good time to join in the spirit of the Psalms to view the world as the incredible masterpiece that it is and to recognize that the beautiful sights that we are seeing are the brushstrokes of the Almighty. The sounds that we are hearing in nature are the melodies of God. So our minds can be lifted from the creation to the creator. Indeed, there's a sense in the Psalms that all of creation is praising God. As the opening scripture we heard in the call to worship from Psalm 148 expressed it, when it summoned all things, sun, moon, stars, trees, animals, fish, birds, and all people to praise the Lord. Or, as the last verse in the Psalms expresses it, as it says, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. In his letter to the Romans, Paul wrote, ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been seen and understood through the things God has made. This is the message of the creation Psalms, that the world around us is telling us there is an awesome God behind it all. We are urged to open our hearts so that we get the message. St. Bonaventure said it well when he wrote, whoever therefore is not enlightened by such splendor of created things is blind. 
Whoever is not awakened by such outcries is deaf. Whoever does not praise God because of all these effects is dumb. Therefore, open your eyes, alert the ears of your spirit, open your lips and apply your heart so that in all of creation, you may see, hear, and praise and glorify your God. Let us pray. Eternal God, in the splendor of the world around us, we see revealed your greatness, the immensity of your creative power and your power to work in our lives today. Move us, O Lord, to respond in faith, to open our eyes, to let our spirits be lifted up in the glory of the world and to open our spirits to how your power would be at work today in us. We thank you, Lord, for how you draw us together to join in faith, to grow together in the life of your church, to hear your word, to recognize how you are leading us to live more fully as your people. We pray for your spirit to be at work in our fellowship today. We lift up persons who are in times of illness and pray especially for Claudia Sawyer, Janice Anderson, Margie Stahl, and also pray for those recuperating from surgery, praying especially for Dave Vandernoot, praying for your healing and strengthening power. We lift up our fellow United Methodists this morning at the Copley United Methodist Church. We pray you would guide us, O Lord, as we seek to respond to your call to be good stewards of this planet and to be people who are reaching out with your compassion to all the world. Guide us, O Lord, as we view the wonders of creation all around us to truly recognize how your spirit is at work in marvelous ways. Lead us to be open to the touch of your spirit, to respond in faith, to grow as people led by you and to lift our hearts to you in praise, giving you the glory. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org. Dot org.